I worked hard helping load in and out of Mankato, and he offered a job. I cleaned helmets and polished shoes and, and, and was in heaven. Good evening, everyone. It's Mike Wabshaw, and you're listening to Skull Stories, coming to you from TCO Studios at Winter Park and coming to you in front of a big game for your Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings will take on the NFC's elite, the Dallas Cowboys, who also played on Thanksgiving. They, though, were on the winning side of a Thanksgiving Day battle. They defeated the Washington Redskins. The Vikings, of course, lost in Detroit. They are now 6-4 and four in second place in the NFC North, and if they want to restore order in the division, a big step in that effort would be winning on Thursday. There are still four games to go after that. The Vikings need to finish strong. Hopefully, they will. Before we get to all of that action, though, we have a cool discussion to get to tonight. It's Vikings equipment manager Dennis Ryan. He's been with the Vikings upwards of four decades. There have only been two equipment managers in Vikings history, the original one, Stubby Easton and Dennis Ryan. So he has seen a lot in his day. Something new, though, to the NFL and to Dennis Ryan is the Color Rush Initiative, something the Vikings will take part in on Thursday. So we thought this week would be an appropriate time to talk to Dennis. A man not used to having a microphone, but after this discussion, we're starting to think we should put one in front of him a lot more because he had some cool things to say. Here's the first part of our conversation with Dennis. All right, Dennis, uh, I almost feel bad asking you to come in here and do this because you have so much work to do, but thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Bobby. I appreciate it. And it's no big deal getting away once in a while. Yeah, well, I mean, we all need it. So uh, this is a brief 20-minute respite for you. Um, you're the equipment manager of an NFL team, though. So for people listening, you know, they listen to the games or watch the games on Sundays, and uh, they might give it a passing thought here and there during the week. But you live it and breathe it every day. As the equipment manager, you have a busy schedule. What is it like day-to-day for you? Well, I never really have to think what I'm going to do next. There's always something to do. Yeah. It's a full week, seven days mm-hmm. a week, and, and a lot of hours going in. But I guess it's something I've always enjoyed doing. It's my 40th year on the sideline this year. I, I really look forward to coming to work, and yeah. and uh, I really appreciate the the fact that I've been able to stay here for that long. Yeah, and you know, a lot changes in the NFL, and it can change really quickly, Uh and I'm sure you've seen that, but you've been with the team your basically your whole career. Your first season was 1976, right? Right. First season I helped was part time 1975. First okay. season I was on the uh, sideline was 1977. Yeah. And now uh, we happened to open that season against the Cowboys at Met Stadium. Wow. And you know to be out there as a young kid. And to be working for my favorite team in all of sports mm-hmm. was really quite a blessing. Because you grew up, you, you're now in St. Paul, but you grew up in St. Paul as well. Is that correct? Right. I grew up in St. Paul. I've never lived more than two miles from where I, yeah. where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, that's how I, I got the job with the Vikings. I used to practice in St. Paul over at Old Midway Stadium. Mm-hmm. I was on the ground crew, and they needed some help. And, and I was elated to yeah. be able to have that opportunity in high school to work part-time for the Vikings. There's only been two equipment managers in Vikings history, right? You you were elevated to the current position of, of equipment manager in 81, 
But Correct. before that, there was only one other one. Tell us about him and what your relationship was like with him. And you said you got to start because you were on the grounds crew at the old stadium. But talk about the early years a little right. bit. Right. Well, Stubby Eason was the original equipment manager. And, you know, boy, he was 60 years old when he passed. And I I thought that was pretty old now that I'm creeping up there. <laughs> I think it's pretty young. Yeah. But uh, Stubby hired me. He, he liked the... The fact that I worked hard helping load in and out of Mankato, then he offered a job during the season to work in the locker room. I cleaned helmets and polished shoes mm-hmm. and, and and was in heaven. And, you know, it, it, a lot of kids in high school were maybe a little jealous that a guy could have that job in there over at Burger King flipping Whoppers. And, right. And so, it, you know, it really made me uh, feel good. Yeah. Um, you know, only two equipment managers in team history. You were the youngest equipment manager when you were hired, correct? And now you'd be one of the veteran most, I would think. Correct. Yeah, I, I'd say veteran most, but not oldest. Right. Well, that's, right. Yeah, I was very delicate. <laughs> <laughs> I was very delicate with my wording there, right? But, but yeah, I was the youngest. I was a young kid. You, you couldn't handle this job now at that age. Yeah. Uh, it, it was... A much different era. Things were a lot simpler. Mm. It was still a lot of hard work, but there weren't the uh, the electronics and yeah. and the number of coaches and all the different initiatives that we're dealing with from week to week and making changes. So, well, and that includes this week against the Cowboys. The Vikings are wearing their color rush uniforms, right? And you're coming off Military Appreciation Month, so you have the camouflage, and then the month before that is Breast Cancer Awareness. All of those things are are added now and things that you deal with directly that you maybe didn't have to do earlier, right? Right. There's there's a lot more detail going into a lot of different games because of all the different initiatives, whether mm-hmm. it's different jerseys, different shoes, different you know outerwear clothing, all the different decals that have to be put on the helmet. Speaking of the helmet and the new equipment, you designed the first face shield or eye shield that was put on helmets, right? Correct. Uh, I, we had an injury to mm-hmm. our defensive end, Mark Mullaney, mm-hmm. back in 1984. And we had a player who thought he'd seen something in Buffalo where they took a, a motorcycle helmet and took the shield off of it and attached it to a player's face mask. Well, we thought that sounded like a pretty good idea. And when we called Buffalo, they said they weren't sure what Rufus... <laughs> Might have been uh, thinking, but they'd never done anything like that. But we still thought it was a good idea, and I pursued uh, some companies to help us uh, make a plastic shield to put over yeah. Mark's face mask and protect his eye. He he couldn't wear goggles at the time. He had Eric Dickerson and different guys wearing the goggles. And he, he couldn't fit them between the bridge of his nose and and the uh, top of the helmet, it mm-hmm. kept crashing down on his nose. So we had to come up with a different solution. And we were able to do that. And it was a tough season. We finished 3-13. and 13. When I had that ready for him and he was ready to go back on the field, he begged me not to show it to anybody. Yeah. He said, you got to get this patented. And uh, yeah. he, he really didn't want to go back on the field. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a, what a great story. Now that's... I mean, every game now there are players with eye shields, and maybe some that don't even need them and they wear them anyway. I, I don't know, but that's almost commonplace now, right, in the NFL? Yeah, there are quite a few shields yeah. all over the place. And, 
you know, I, I guess at the time I didn't think it was a big deal, and I, I still don't, mm-hmm. although I think I, I wish I would have at least trademarked it or yeah. patented it. Yeah, I, I kind of do too. That would have been pretty cool. Um, what's been your favorite uniform in Vikings history? You know, I, I'd say I like the current uniforms, mm-hmm. but when it, when I first started and in, in the Vikings were in their glory years, yeah. you still think of watching those games on TV and yep. the old Northwestern stripe on the purple jersey and UCLA stripe on the white jersey. They were simple. They were clean. Yeah. And, and so I just kind of hearken back to the old days. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the old, I mean, you've seen a lot of good teams lately. Um, thinking back to the late '90s um, with uh, Moss and Carter and uh, and John Randall, and and then lately we had Brett Favre come through here. You've seen a lot of players and good teams in your day with the Vikings. But going back to the early part of your career when you were with Bud Grant and uh, and when Fred Zamberletti was here and the Purple People Eaters, all that. What what was what do you think was the best Vikings team? That you've that you've been around. Well, really, I, I think '98 was probably the best okay. team I, I was around because '77 yeah. I I started with the team on the sideline and in that year we were good. We made the playoffs, but it was starting to kind of decline. Mm-hmm. Now I had helped part time in 1975, and I know Fred and all the players from back then said that was their best team ever. Yeah, and uh, it was unfortunate that things didn't work out in the playoffs, and they got mm-hmm. beat by Dallas mm-hmm. and didn't get a chance at the Super Bowl. All right, we're up against the break. We're going to be back with more, though, from Dennis Ryan, so please stay tuned. Before we go to break, a programming note to join host Mike Musman along with Brian Robison at Woody's in Bayport on Friday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. And for more great stories with D. Ryan, stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome back at Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw. More coming up with Vikings equipment manager Dennis Ryan in a minute, but first, I want to tell you about a couple things. First, get your 2016 exclusive inaugural season gear at the Vikings Locker Room Store, open at U.S. Bank Stadium. For novelty items and apparel, visit the official Vikings Locker Room Store at Mall of America, U.S. Bank Stadium, and online at vikingslockerroom.com. Also, Remember, you can join KFAN and the Minnesota Vikings at Mills Fleet Farm in Lakeville as we broadcast live all day next Tuesday, December 6th, collecting Toys for Tots, presented by CenturyLink. Details at kfan.com, keyword toys. Let's get right back to it. Dennis Ryan has some more cool stories for you. You grew up, you were watching or following or reading about the team back then, then you start working with them. Um, that must have been a pretty cool moment to have interaction with some of those great players that you probably, you know, admired or at least appreciated uh, from a spectator standpoint. Now you're working with them, right? Oh, for sure. You know, I, I'd have to say, as a young kid, you're 
pretty starstruck when you see mm-hmm. Carl Eller and Mick Tinglehoff, Fran Tarkenton, you know, walking through a door, or needing your help, or asking yeah. you to do something. I remember answering a door the first time I ever saw a Viking, and I, I wasn't working for them. It was Carl Eller at the door, and I, I think the window was about seven feet high on that door, but he was peering right down. Yeah. And, Open that up, and he said, thank you, in that big, deep voice, and mm-hmm. I couldn't even speak. Yeah, yeah. How about lately, for, for some of our newer fans uh, or our younger fans who are listening right now, um, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years, who are some guys that really stand out to you uh, that you've grown to appreciate? Maybe you still stay in touch with them. Well, you know, uh, I guess most recently, I guess Jeff Dugan is our yeah. the guy who was back in the equipment room all the time. Mm-hmm. We don't have as many guys hanging out in the equipment room as we used to, but Jeff would be kind of the last guy who did that. We just saw him in Washington. Uh, he's a guy we hear from quite a bit and uh, and really appreciate him now. Adrian Peterson, you got to appreciate. Yeah his ability on the field and and the way he treats everybody throughout the building he's just a class act and yeah again i've had a blessing watching the number of great players come through here you mm-hmm. know guys who were here for a long time or just a short period of time Brett Favre but you know Adrian Peterson's at the top of the list as far as football players that have played for this franchise. Yeah, really good at being a superstar, right? I mean, absolutely. the way he plays the game is obviously exceptional, but you wouldn't know that he was the star of the team based on how he is in the building. No, right. Admire Just, that. Yeah. We talk to a lot of alumni uh, in our jobs, uh, including as guests here on Skull Stories, and a lot of them, Matt Burke, uh, Carl Eller, whoever it might be, they ask, hey, what's up with D. Ryan? Where's D. Ryan? I want to go see D, how does that make you feel? Well, you know, it's pretty humbling to think that those guys, you know, come in, ask, and come back and see you. Mm-hmm. I, and it, it, I really appreciate it. Yeah. You know, you mentioned guys hanging out in the coffee uh, or uh, in the equipment room for some coffee. I mean, you make coffee every morning, all morning long, and it's even staff members like myself will swing down there and and have a cup of joe and visit with you while you're working. Uh, we try not to distract you, but we like talking to you. How did that culture start, and is that something that you appreciate about your day-to-day work here? It, it is. You know, when I started, that was one of my duties. Stubby would have me make the coffee. We brewed it in a big 72-pot cup, <laughs> and it, it was awful, but they all came to see Stubby, yeah. and, and uh, they'd want to come back and shoot shoot the breeze and, mm-hmm. and get caught up, and it's just continued. We make a much better brand of coffee now. We use caribou. <laughs> Thank you, caribou. Right, yeah. and mm-hmm. the, the players love it, and you know, especially the older guys. Been around a while and need a little something to keep them awake. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a baby at home and mm-hmm. not getting a lot of sleep, but they're back there. Chad Greenway is in our room quite a bit, and so it's always a pleasure to visit with Chad and, and hear the different things he's got going on. And a number of other players are back there as well as coaches. Yeah, they are, and uh, and staff members. And it's kind of a place, you know, win or lose, um, you know, you show up there um, on a Monday morning and in season or out of season, uh, you know, guys are there and it, it's a good sense of camaraderie too. Um, you know, for everyone who's in the building working as hard as they are, you go down there and it's camaraderie. And I think that 
a lot of people really appreciate coming down there to do that. So it, it might not be something that most people would attribute to the equipment manager's job or something he would do, but I think it's very much appreciated. Well, yeah, I, I think so. I hope so. And, yeah. and, I, and I hope it tastes a little better after a win. Yeah, it does. That's for sure. <laughs> um, you know, I guess behind the scenes is how you could describe the equipment manager's job, but there are a lot of departments who work behind the scenes. And that doesn't make him any less important, but the behind-the-scenes work is something that's pretty important uh, for a football team, uh, and your department is one of those. I don't think that's something, though, that bothers you, that it's that you don't get attention for it or anything like that. You just you just really like to get down to work and, and do your job every day and, and get into your daily routine, right? Right. Really, I, I do enjoy my routine, and, and quite honestly, I don't want to be noticed. Yeah. And, and if I am... Something probably horribly went wrong. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're kind of like an offensive try, lineman. Try really enjoy being in the background. Yeah. Maybe that's why so many offensive linemen come and hang out in the equipment room. You right. Know, They're just are, regular guys. Yeah. And you don't want to, you don't, you know, you all have the same profile. And if you're being talked about, it's probably not good. Yeah. All right. So players have changed over the years, their personality types. Um, you know, lately, you, like you have different styles and trends that players like to get into. Is that something that that you have to deal with or work with the players on, or are you just handing them the equipment and they go and do whatever they want with it? Well, most of it's handed out, but you know, we've got Stefan Diggs wearing his short shorts. Yep, that's right. That that really takes us back to the seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's wearing them up there real high, and they come in. Nike's got the big baggy shorts, and that's what everybody likes. But he likes them short, so we end up having to cut them off, take them to the seamstress to him. We have to remove the Viking head and then mm-hmm. have have a patch sewn on so he somewhat matches the rest of the team. Yeah, um, Here's one from, you know, 15 or so years ago. Didn't Mitch Berger always have a Snickers bar? Were you the one who had to make sure he had a Snickers no, bar? I didn't have to make sure. He okay. always had the Snicker bar. Okay. Now, uh, Wade Wilson always had M&Ms. Okay. And uh, he, I was responsible for carrying those for him. He was diabetic, and and he would pop some M&Ms if, he, if his blood sugar started to get low. Mm-hmm. Well, I carried those for probably six games, and he never was looking for them. So I got a little hungry. In the first time he ever looked for him, and he came over, asked me for some M and M's, and I had to look at him and say, "I got to go back in the locker room because I had eaten them." Yeah, (laughs) that's pretty good. You're an M and M thief. Um, How about going to training camp? Explain a little bit about the work that goes into that, you know, because it's not like the team just shows up and all the stuff is poof; it's all there. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with that too. Right. The setting up training camp is, is quite a chore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a couple of weeks of just going back and forth, taking our time to, to get everything down there and get everything into place and, mm-hmm. and be ready. And, and really breaking camp is, is killer because then you, you have hours to get everything done that you've taken days to, to set up. It, it's probably the most demanding part of the job is is the training camp is that and right? really yeah. really breaking it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, road trips are much easier by comparison, but you know it's it's travel. You're always looking at weather or all the things that can that can uh, cause an equipment manager nightmares, mm-hmm. and it's just part of the job. Yeah, you know, I mean. You have to look. I mean, because there's cold weather gear that you might have to bring if we're playing outside in a in a in a cold weather city at that part of the year, and same for a hot weather city at a hot time of the year. 
Uh, and sometimes you guys, you know, have to bring all the equipment on the plane, but then there are other times when you send a truck ahead of time, right? Right. And that, that all depends on the aircraft we're flying. Yeah. So, some airplanes can be loaded in certain, in certain ways and some can't be. And we yeah. do not want to delay the team. Uh, some of the methods of loading take too long and mm-hmm. we don't want to be sitting on the ground for a couple hours. So therefore we'll truck everything to the, to the stadium. Uh, your interactions with head coaches over the years, you have to interact and work with the head coach quite a bit on a lot of different functional things or operational things or preference types of things for different head coaches, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of great guys mm-hmm. over the years, really good guys and really good coaches. I've been blessed to work with every coach outside of Norm Van Brocklin mm-hmm. in the organization. And and I guess that was a blessing that I didn't get to, a chance to work with Norm from what all the old timers have to say, Fred yeah. Zamberletti, Bill Brown, yeah. and whatnot. But they all have maybe some, some different things they want to wear. You know, Zim wants some cold weather gear, you know, quite a bit of the time. And mm-hmm. you had other guys that were were maybe too hot all the time. I think of Mike Tice and yep. and uh, maybe Denny Green. They they didn't demand a whole lot of clothing and didn't didn't want it. Bernsey was a guy who was freezing. Yeah, it, whether it was you know forty degrees outside or eighty degrees, right? So, He's cold blooded, huh? Right. Yeah. He is. Uh, what do you think of the new stadium? Has it been going okay? New stadium is great. Good. Uh, really enjoy. The, the uh, locker room, the move-in aspects of the locker room—it's it's well designed. It's it's fun to play in there. The crowd is really into it, and, and it really seems a lot louder than the Metrodome. Yeah. And the Metrodome was plenty loud itself. Yeah, you know, you have a staff, a hardworking um, staff that that does a lot of work too, and I, I know that you appreciate them. So um, I'd be remiss without mentioning those guys as well. You know, it, it's a team effort for you guys in the equipment room, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. You know, all of our guys, Adam, Adam Groney and Aaron Newman, uh, Terrell Barnes, yeah. Colton Kruger, all work extremely hard and couldn't get it done without them. Well, uh, thanks, Dennis, for your time. I appreciate everything that you do. When people ask me who some of my favorite Vikings are over the years, a lot of times I tell them Dennis Ryan is one of them. They don't know who you are, so I tell them. Uh, And now a lot of Vikings fans got to know a little bit more about you here tonight, so I appreciate you taking some time. Well, appreciate it, Wabi. You bet. That'll do it with our discussion with Vikings equipment manager Dennis Ryan, obviously a neat individual and someone with whom I've worked for all 12 of my seasons with the Vikings, and I count my blessings when it comes to that. Dennis is a great guy to have around the building, full of knowledge and perspective. Vikings and Cowboys, two teams with rich histories and deep traditions and two teams looking to make it into the playoffs this year. They go at it on Thursday. You'll catch the game right here on the Vikings Radio Network. Paul Allen, Pete Bursich, Greg Coleman, and Ben Lieber will bring you the call. That's all the time we have tonight for Skull Stories. On behalf of producer Nate Vaughn, I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw. Have a good evening.